One's a smart, iconic tale of the potential dangers and wonders of advancing technology. The other isn't. Ghost in the Shell. They remade it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of They Remade It. I'm your host, Stuart. And I'm your host, Jacob. And welcome to 2019. God help us all, yada yada. Yeah, so on and so forth. It's season two, though. Yeah. Oh, we've officially started season two, and we've got some big things coming this year. Not even that we've planned, just like big things are coming. Oh, yeah, inevitably. Just, yeah, eventually. Dude, um, Dumbo's on the 29th of March. Oh my god. That's like I, really soon. Yeah, I didn't realize how soon that was actually. I'm excited. I haven't seen Danny DeVito in like a movie in a long time. I think so. I, I saw that he's going to be like in a couple things here soon. I can't remember what the other one really? was though. I wonder why. I wonder if he's just getting back into it or if Sonny is ending. I think that or... might that, that, I'm sure that might actually be it or there's just been like didn't they have a pretty big lull between seasons recently? He probably did all that stuff then. Maybe. I I don't know. I'm not sure. Or I just... actually haven't watched It's Always Sunny in a while, in like two seasons, because they stopped. I don't watch cable, but it yeah. was on Netflix, and it would update. Uh, Once the new season is out, it would update with the most previously new season mm-hmm. or whatever. And I think it stopped doing that, so I haven't, I haven't been with it in a while no i'm glad to see he's still going strong so yeah that's true i guess i do i guess in that regard is that the sort of stuff you've been watching lately i know you mentioned before we started they had a seen a few things actually (laughs) been been watching what danny devito trailers um (laughs) just, just in general uh do you want to start i mean i may as well i got a pretty short list um, okay, yeah. I don't want it to go too long, but I do know there's multiple, and we might talk about one or two, so. Yeah. I haven't watched, I mean, I've watched two big ones. One, I watched um, Into the Spider-Verse, which I actually mentioned in the year-end video, and oh yeah. my god, that one was good. Yeah, I've it's... been I've been meaning to see it. I was actually going to go to the theaters uh, this past weekend, but we got an like a literal blizzard here yeah and i couldn't go anywhere yeah it got kind of close here so like where there's still i've been i've been meaning to go thinking this weekend isn't there gonna but be they're more also snow calling, this weekend they're calling for more weather but it's not supposed to be as bad so oh, i'm okay. just gonna have to wait i'm gonna have to wait and see gotcha yeah i saw that oh, well so that's that's probably my front runner of one of my favorite animated things ever I'm not even kidding, because it had so much fun with the actual medium, which I wish more animated stuff would do. Um, and then the only other movie I really think I watched, I rewatched um, Casino Royale with Daniel uh, Daniel Craig. I was just like, oh, yeah, just not too long ago. I was just like, I really like that movie. I want to watch it again. And so I did. <laughs> no I reason. haven't seen I haven't seen any Bond movies in a while. I think the last one I actually saw was Skyfall when it was in theaters. So it's, I mean, the only one other one that's come out is Spectre, but yeah. there there is there is going to be another one that also has Daniel Craig, which is weird because at the end of Spectre he kind of implied he was done, but 
I, I, I remember not. when Spectre was coming <clears throat> out, he said in interviews that he was done. So I think he might just be like, I'm, I'm guessing I'm all but certain that they're going to con- do some big connecting thing where like his character will die and a new person will take up the like the code name of Bond or something. Like, I think that's what it'd people be interesting think. if they did it. That'd be the first yeah. Bond film to like officially to use that, that theory. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's what's been a lot of people have been kind of clamoring for, and so it'll be kind of interesting to see that happen. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. That's the most I can think of otherwise. Because like, and I don't even know if it is just centering on him entirely. I don't know if I'll go see it because Spectre was not great. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, I loved Casino Royale because like it was intense. It was stylish. It was. Like um, it really did feel like a modern James Bond film, as you know, it, as modern as ca- it can get. But then every subsequent film has either a, in Quantum of Solace's case, gotten too serious, and it got kind of, kind of like kind of lost to the wayside. And then with Skyfall and especially Spectre, it tried to kind of recapture, uh, the older campiness to it, and it does not mix well at all. <laughs> and so it just kind of got awkward feeling. Like, hmm. the best example I can say is, like, in Skyfall, Q gives him some pretty basic um, gadgets compared to, like, the old style. And he even says there, hmm. he even says, were you expecting an exploding pen? And then in Spectre, he gives him a watch that can explode. <laughs> <laughs> like, no irony, <laughs> he just gives him a watch that he, he, he cheekily even says, oh, just be aware, the alarm is very loud. It's like, oh my god. You guys don't fucking care. <laughs> and so it just... Why don't you just make everything bombs? I don't understand the purpose of a gadget that is... A... I don't know. Is it because it's small? I, I, I guess. Know. Or it's concealed. This can tell the time and it can also blow people up. It's like, okay, well, a spy really shouldn't be going around blowing people up anyways. That sounds pretty loud. Yeah. Whatever. He, I mean, he uses that stuff, so... Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I don't know if he's a very good spy. Historically, James Bond is not quiet. (laughs) Like, in every movie ever, he's not a spy. He's just, like, a lucky bastard who just makes noise. He leaves too many witnesses, too. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, those are... starting to dislike James Bond. Yeah. I just like Casino Royale. I think it's cool. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that's pretty much all I've watched. Otherwise, I've mostly been reading. Oh, well, I mean, that's good, but... Yeah. Neat. Yeah. Well, for me, uh, because Oscars, the Oscars are coming up, uh, Mm -hmm. the nominee list isn't out until the 22nd, which, by the time this... Wait. Yeah, by the time this episode goes live, I guess the nominees will have been announced, but as of this time, they are not. Yeah. So I've just been going through countless lists of movies from last year, ones that seem viable to show up at the Oscars because I want to be caught up with it, and I'm not a member of SAG, so it's not like I get copies. Right. Um. So that's the perfect transition into the first movie I watched, which was Slender Man. Uh. uh what? <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> Do you remember that coming out? I just saw of course it I, I remember. Like, I it. Why on that. earth? In, in your pursuit of watching films that'll be in the Oscars, why the fuck did you bother with Slender Man? Um, to, to be fair, this sort of happened before I 
created the list uh-huh. of the Oscar ones. So it was just everything else on this is like an actual possibly at the Oscars thing. But Slenderman, that's whatever. that's the outlier. So Slenderman is boring. Um, yeah, they focus too much on him. <laughs> there's so many shots where someone will be walking by and there's a window to their left or to their right or whatever right. orientation and it's off center and you're like, okay, well something's going to be there. And there isn't, there's not even the, the tension. It's just <laughs> like the cameraman was supposed to focus on the actor, but they didn't know whether the actor was the girl or the window. That it's actually, not. That actually reminds me of a lot of the scenes from the movie we're watching today. <laughs> <laughs> except bad <laughs> well um it's true there, there's some cool shots like um uh that that combination of zoom shots from jaws there was something similar to that with a teenager waking up oh yeah where the background like fades away while they're i don't know i like shots like that but besides that it was really i remember boring. i remember the technical uh, term for that kind of zoom but i i think it's like a a focus pull or something like that i don't know it's possible. I don't remember the name. But yeah, I, um, I, but yeah, I, I know the shot. Like the shot of Hopper on the beach as it like zooms in as he's yeah sitting the in the chair. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I, that's um, an amazing shot. I love, I love that. You don't see it a lot. You don't because it, it's it's hard to do well, and it's yeah. I don't think you can really do it modern day anymore with the quality of cameras. I think with the quality of cameras, it'd be a bit too jarring. But back then, it was actually really cool because it was just enough that it seemed like tension building, but not so much that it was just like, whoa, my eyes hurt. Right. Well, I think that I actually think Slenderman did their version fairly well, but okay. we're also in a computer age, so there's plenty of room for touch up if it didn't look right. True. Uh, next, I saw A Quiet Place. Uh, nice. I remember you talking about it on a very early episode. I think you saw it oh, around yeah. the time it came out. Yeah, I saw I saw it in the theater. Yeah, I didn't get the chance to do that, but great movie. Uh, yeah, it wasn't bad. Uh, I liked it. Uh, probably the main the main thing I liked from it is that I didn't. I thought the, I don't, I don't remember seeing any trailer with the monsters like in it. I remember just being the people and them being afraid. Oh yeah. So I I really thought it was gonna be like monsters are off screen the whole time, but like in the first five minutes. You get oh, to yeah. see what you're dealing with, and then you like see them all the time. Mm-hmm. That w- that's really unique for a horror film with a specific monster, and I liked that. Oh yeah, uh, they really did have a lot of restraint with the trailer, which I was very glad for. Yeah. So, um, where do I go from here? Oh yeah, uh, won't you be my neighbor? The documentary. Oh yeah. About Mister Rogers, that was really nice. I I, I still have meant to see. I haven't seen it yet. It was very insightful. It was very emotional. I did that choke up thing once or twice. Uh, yeah, where it's like the back of your throat and it burns and you want to stop watching it because that sucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're like, huh. <laughs> what it really does is it, it gets it. I'm looking forward to the Tom Hanks film now, like more so. Tom Hanks film. He's playing Mr. Rogers. What? Yeah, it's either late this year or sometime next year. Holy shit. I remember seeing production photos from it with him in the sweater. I don't know what it's called. It could just be called Mr. Rogers. My God, what a pairing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm even more hyped for that now. now. Um, Same now. (laughs) I saw Incredibles 2. 
was okay. That that was okay. <laughs> yeah, I literally have it written down. It was okay. Yeah. The first one was leagues better, but you know, that's pretty typical. Yeah, I'll say. I I hate it when I can guess what's going to happen. So Oh my god, yeah. Soon. <laughs> I looked it up. People were like it was one of those things where people were like uh frozen when when Frozen came out and people were all on blog spots and whatever talking about right. the villain was so surprising and unique. It was one of those twists that you didn't see coming. And I saw people talking about that for this one, too. I was like, really? Man, I have faults for both of those. Like, in the Frozen case, it's not a good twist at all. It's just completely out of left field. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no implication leading up to it at all. Like, there has to be something. They were just like, nope, he's bad. <laughs> and then... And this one, no. <laughs> it's like in the Incredibles 2, it's like, come on. <laughs> like it was pretty, it's like pretty blatant. It's beyond obvious. Like, I would say that it was pretty obvious in the first one, too. But, I mean, they didn't, It they weren't hiding it as a mystery, really. Like, right. you could see that. It was a mystery for the main character for some reason, because he's an idiot. I don't know. But uh, yeah. I didn't even very, remember as a kid thinking that. At the very least, once they introduce syndrome in the original they immediately establish it it's like oh yeah they don't linger on it that's right yeah they in the original one that you kind of like at least in the beginning of the movie you would think maybe oh this kid being in, in his life is just a bit of character development for you know him like for mr incredible and so you kind of leaves to the back of your mind and then it pops back up it's like oh it did come back okay yeah, that's him. And then he says, it's me. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's Let's like, not it focus on that. Let's focus on other more important things. Yeah, it doesn't drag it out. It, okay, it's like, uh, history with the villain established. Go. <laughs> it's like, it's very well done. I much prefer that. Yes. It's like, it, um, doesn't, it doesn't insult your intelligence. It just kind of goes, here it is. It's a superhero movie. It's a bit edgier, if only in a couple aspects, because there's actually like straight up death. But let's go. Yeah, and I guess they're not planning for a third movie, maybe, because yeah. at the end of the first movie, they have that really cool shot with the Underminer, and it's like, oh, now we're superheroes again, mm -hmm. and then they go off to fight him, and it leads into the first act of the second movie. Right. But they end the third movie with some jerk-offs with guns in a car, and I was like, yeah, okay, like that's kind of lame. Yeah, it's, it's more just kind of like a here-we-go-again sort of deal. Yeah, you couldn't invent, like, another villain... I guess they wasted all their ideas on all the heroes that show up. Which weren't uh, even that creative when you get right down to it. <laughs> the only one I even thought was like really, I really like the acid reflux guy. <laughs> I the little gnome would. man. <laughs> I knew you would love him. <laughs> he was hilarious. Oh um, okay. Yeah, moving on. Another another documentary, Three Identical Strangers. Uh, it's about the triplets who were all separated at birth through adoption. Oh, yeah. And it's sort of like how they found each other. Uh, it was okay. I like the Rogers doc more. Um, right. It, halfway through, it goes into government conspiracy, which I was not expecting. Um, oh, okay. That made the film a little more interesting. I was sort of like, yeah, huh, okay, I get it. You were happy. And then it's like, what? <laughs> Leaked documents. They really redacted information. Like, what the hell is this? They had to you come buried left, the lead. They had to come out of left field to wake people up if they got bored. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, yeah. How was that? It was fun. Oh. A romantic comedy that focused more on, like, family and family relationships. Right. 
uh, I, I did like it. I, I did like it. I don't understand why people like it so much, but I didn't think it was a bad movie. I think it's mostly uh, for the fact of, like, it's an all-Asian cast and everything. I think it's more just groundbreaking than anything. I mean, that that was <clears throat> unique. I, I was actually watching it, and I was like, I'm surprised they're... I'm seeing all of these Asian actors I've never seen before, and it's really unique. I When I think of Asian actors, I think of Brenda Song, and I think of Ken Jeong, and neither of them are in this. And then Ken Jeong shows up, and I was like, well, okay, I, I guess that <laughs> should have been expected. But <laughs> Whenever I think, I think Lucy Liu. Oh, yeah, Lucy Liu. Is she in it? I don't th- no, she wasn't, but okay, uh, I, um, I, I haven't seen her in anything in a while. But Ken Jeong was not in it. For even five minutes, I would say. So it's oh, well. fine. Not that I hate the guy, but... It's more a cameo for you, specifically. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, he's in everything. Um, I have two left. Mm-hmm. Where was I? Hereditary horror oh. movie. How was that? I like it. I, I've i only seen two horror movies for the Oscars, but ranking them, I'd, put it, I'd definitely put it above A Quiet Place, because it is... Really? It's very similar to The Witch, if you remember me talking about that back in October. And it's actually made by the same production company, A24. Mm -hmm. It is so great, even though apparently audiences didn't like it. It relies on dread so much. I think there was one... It wasn't even a jump scare, but it shocked me near the end and made me jump. But Mm -hmm. everything is like the sun wakes up in the middle of the night and he sees this figure sitting in a chair... And he like looks at it and it lingers on the figure with sitting in this chair with her back to him. And then it cuts to the next day. Like it, very Jacob's ladder. They don't. Oh yeah. I was about it's to say more it's very... the dread of there is something there. You see it there. There's a woman in the attic and the main character sees it. And the woman smiles at her. The main character doesn't scream. There's no jump scare. She just, she's more confused than anything. You're looking at this creepy thing and then it's the next, the next scene. And I love that. That is really cool. I was about to say it's like it's like Silent Hill, but I was, and then you said Jacob's Ladder. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very much so. Yeah, very much so. Yes. And we mean the. Oh my god, we mean the. At least I mean the the video game Silent Hill, not the movie. <laughs> Silent Hill. <laughs> That's a gem of a movie. Uh, <laughs> it's a gem of something. <laughs> And uh, lastly, uh, another one. I think you said that you saw uh, Eighth Grade. I did. Uh, the Bo Burnham film. Yes, the Bo Burnham film. I really liked it. Yeah, I th- I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I liked it all right. I think my judgment might be... It, it was so hard for me to watch. It's really oh. hard for me to watch like the awkward like middle school, early it, high school years. Exactly. And that's and, exactly why I loved it, because I was like, this captures it spot fucking on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is trying to make you uncomfortable. So right. I under I I do understand that, but that doesn't make it any easier for me to watch. Oh yeah, no, it was um, a struggle. <laughs> Probably the most uncomfortable part of the whole movie is near the end when two of the characters start quoting Rick and Morty. Uh, oh, God, I remember that, that. was I really was, hard. For- I was, I was, I'm not even kidding. I was in the, I was watching it in the theater with my girlfriend, uh, and when they started doing that, she's a really big fan of Rick and Morty. I can kind of give it or take it, and it started going. And I just lean over and go, "Look what your fandom has done. Look at it." <laughs> 
I was like, oh my god. But I have to pull back a bit and be like, okay, well, they're in middle school. Yeah. What Going into high school, they're quoting that stuff. I bet m- me and friends and whatever would quote weird, cringy stuff back then, too. And I got to thinking, I was like, what was our weird, cringy thing back then that we would quote? And I, I, I was like, I think it might have been Bo Burnham. <laughs> that would have been one of them, yeah. I think... For me, for me and my friends, it would have been like Tom Ska videos, like ASDF. Oh yeah, the and that and like a lot of those like earlier internet meme songs that, for some reason, my friends just wouldn't let die, like Badger and everything. Like, these oh, guys. One of my friends loved these... the troll song, and I thought it was cringy then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my friends, my friends then really didn't grow beyond mentally beyond like sixth grade maybe <laughs> oh Lord. and that was all the way through high school <laughs> that's so bad it really was i didn't i had a horrible high school experience oh my god i got out of there as soon as i could i was just like fuck this bye well let's not dwell on those memories then and i guess let's move on <laughs> let's move on to some another thing that has to do with memories i guess yeah. Let's you know, let's cybernetically augment these memories with Ghost in the Shell. Oh fuck off. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. And as I go into this uh synopsis here, let me just state on record, this movie or pair of movies really posited itself as being like a hard remake. You know, it had all the same scenes and stuff in the trailer that like existed in the original. And so I actually typed up the synopsis for the first one right after I finished watching it. And I started watching the second one, and it's very clear that these are not the same movie plot-wise. And so it's like, I realize that there is now a fourth kind of remake. It is the specifically done to screw with me specifically remake. <laughs> I just, very specific. Yeah, I just it, it was really annoying. So it's like, these are effectively the same movie in like style and characters but the plot is almost completely different and they kind of made just a few connections with certain scenes so i'll try to be as brief as i can but these are some dense movies to get through so here we go set in the not too distant future the film takes place in the a future where the human body can be augmented with pieces of technology and can directly interface between the human brain and the internet and other integrated networks. At the center of the story is Major Motoko. I'm going to have a hard time with all this, but yeah. Is Major Motoko, voiced in the original version by Atsuko Tanaka. And Major... The Major is a computer counter-terrorist agent with the Section 9 Public Security Group of New Port, Port City of Japan with a human brain operating inside a robotic shell, which is the term given to robotic bodies in this. The film opens with the Major assassinating a foreign diplomat that was attempting to take in a defecting programmer on behalf of the Foreign Treaties Department, Section 6. Section 6 a division of the Office of Foreign Affairs. Afterwards, the brain of the foreign minister's translator is ghost-hacked, a process by which an individual's entire memory is replaced with artificial ones in order to act as an assassin in a major meeting of diplomats. Both Section 6 and 9 believe the hack to be the work of the so-called puppet master, 
a master hacker with a skill to take over the minds of random individuals to do his or his or her um, individual bidding. The major and her team, um, Bateau, I think that's how you pronounce him, Bateau, Bateau, and Tosuga, played respectively by Akio Otsuka and Koichi Yamadera. This is going to be fun. Um, th he, she and her team track down the individuals acting as pawns for the puppet master and learn they have been, they themselves have been ghost hacked in order to cover up their actions, leading to a dead end in the case. Just after, however, Megatech Body, a shell manufacturer with close ties to Section 9, produces a random new shell that is subsequently hit by a truck and then brought into Section 9 for analysis. While there, Section 6 arrives, claiming that the shell to house the puppet man, the puppet master himself, who that was lured in, supposedly, by Section 6. Suddenly, the shell speaks, claiming to be a sapient life form, though lacking any human ghost or soul in this respect. After the shell argues briefly, saying how it's truly alive, even though it's completely artificial, camouflaged agents burst in into the building and steal it away. After Section 6 leaves, it is revealed that the Puppet Master is actually a rogue program made by Section 6 for espionage, espionage purposes. This is a lot of S's. Hence why Section 6 is gunning after it. After Major tracks the shell back down, the Puppet Master requests in order makes a request of her in order to merge together with the Major, having seen that she and it share a kind of lack of true meaning in their lives. And in this case, it would allow the Puppet Master to truly be alive with the aspect of mortality and the ability to actually naturally evolve. And Major would presumably have all the abilities that he has, being able to transfer through the web and control people and stuff, which is kind of bad. And just as they merge, however, snipers destroy the shell housing the Puppet Master and damage the Major. However, Bateau manages to save her head, which has both program, both Major and the Puppet Master together, and grafts it onto a new, younger, a young girl's robotic body, which is a little weird. But afterwards, the new individual, which is stated to be not Major or the Puppet Master, but something new entirely, comments on how it has a new life ahead of it and isn't sure what it will do next. And then just kind of leads off into the end. <laughs> a lot of S's in this one. <laughs> a lot of S's? A lot of S noises and everything. I keep my my I'm, tongue keeps right. tumbling. Okay. I would I hmm. Yeah. I'll have to pay attention to this next one more so. Oh, listen yeah. for listen for the letters. <laughs> and now we go into the twenty seventeen version. <clears throat> so it opens up with the same general set setting, but instead opens with the birth quote unquote of the major whose brain was retrieved from a woman who had recently been injured in a terrorist attack supposedly it is shown that she is a product of something called Hanka Robotics who effectively owns her as she is leased out to section 9 fast forward to, a, to about a year to show major learning of a plot to assassinate upper members of Hanka through several hacked robots and individuals major learns that the head of this plot a being called Kuze is hitherto, or I should probably give the credit to the actor, um, Major <laughs> in this case is played by Scarlett Johansson, and Kuze is played by Michael Carmen Pitt. 
who I think is in uh, Boardwalk Empire, actually. Um, really? Yeah. He plays. Um, he's he's only in it for like one season, maybe like one and a half. Hmm. But still. Okay. Um, but yeah, Major learns the head of this plot and being called Kuze is a creation and subsequent. Oh, sorry. Um, is a hitherto unknown prototype cyborg to herself. He is attempting to kill any people involved in the project that resulted in his creation and subsequent disposal. Matron confronts her designer, Dr. Olette, Olette, I think it was, played by Juliette Binoche. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who reveals that there have been 98 other individuals before her, you know, failed prototypes, and that her memories of her death at the hands of a terrorist attack were actually implants that were used in order to control her. She then tells... The doctor then tells Major where to find her original mother and home, and is as such killed by the head of Hank Robotics, a man by the name of Cutter, the most evil corporate douchebag in the world, played by a man called Peter Ferdinando, which is an awesome name. And, yeah, the doctor is killed by Cutter, who then blames Major for it and calls her calls for her termination. Major learns she is, was originally a teenage girl who ran away to be an anti-augmentation radical, but died after being imprisoned and tested on by Hanka. She learns this from her mother. her Well, her original mother, I should say. She informs her team, who then turn on Hanka just as Cutter attempts to have all of them killed. The Major makes her way to the place that her original self was last seen as a result of all of this. She meets Kuze there as they reveal to each other their past lives in full detail now. They are... The, just after this, they are attacked by Cutter, who is using a giant spider tank, but end up defeating him, though at the cost of Kuze, who offers to merge with Major, but is, unlike the original, refused for this. Cutter is then killed by Aramaki, the head of Section 9, played by good old Beat Takeshi Nikano. Or, is that his name? Kitano, sorry. Uh, Beat Takeshi Kitano. Yeah. <laughs> and then Major goes on from all of this, embracing her original Japanese identity, and continues work with Section 9. Uh, these are some confusing plots. Those were... Yeah. So I, I apologize I, for that synopsis. It really will not do it just as I highly recommend watching the, at least the original. It, it gets, I can't... I, <laughs> I can't even describe how often, for both of these, to be honest, I was getting confused mm -hmm. because Section 6 and Section 9, like, that's... Yeah, I kept forgetting which one did which, mm -hmm. and which one Kazanage was a part of. The at least the remake <laughs> does that justice by just having the person be just a flatly evil robotics corporation. I don't think Section Six even comes up. It doesn't. No, I don't remember at all. It's all focused oh, on okay. Kanka. All right, maybe I just supplemented that. Okay. Yeah, it was. I mean, they may have shown up a little, but otherwise, it was completely different focus. Well, there's plenty of other reasons that that one's confusing, but we'll talk about oh, that. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into that one. <laughs> first things first, we're going to go into our full circle. First full circle of the new year. Woo. And we're starting off big. Hell yeah. Okay, so for full circle, we're going to go into Ghost in the Shell 2017, compare that to Blade Runner 2049 2017, same year. Oh, yeah. 118 names are in common between the two pictures from uh, ranging visual effects and the music departments. Mother of 
God. Yeah, yeah. Which like does not surprise me even slightly. <laughs> like they're That's all. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cue the outro. <laughs> that's all. We don't have an outro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just go into talking about the movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like and, and to get and just to get right into it, I should be completely transparent. I cannot lie. I this the remake kind of broke me. I fell asleep. I did you go back and like watch what I, you missed at least? I went like it was like the last like maybe quarter of the film and I pretty much just skimmed through it and then checked up on the plot and I was like, yeah, no, this is fine. <laughs> I got enough. I've seen all I absolutely need to see. <laughs> you didn't even finish it. I suffered for <laughs> two hours i try okay man okay i should say the way i end up watching movies is like i have a scatterbrain i already have adhd and it sucks the whenever i watch a movie and it does something that i think is dumb i pause the movie and i expose it like outwardly just so i can get my thoughts in order for a minute just to kind of think about like oh this is a really weird moment it happened so many times in this in the 2017 version at the halfway point, it had taken me two and a half hours. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I just had to keep pausing it and just being like, the heck is this? <laughs> it drove me insane. And I was like, you think you suffered? Motherfucker, I went through five hours. <laughs> five hours, man. This is well, the longest I've ever taken to watch a film. I gotta beat you. I'm gonna go back later, watch the director commentary, uh, see what they thought about their work. I, that one, I'm just, I'd, I'd lose my mind. I'd just be like, <laughs> was that Seth Rogen? Uh, t- yes. <laughs> Ooh, what is this movie? Shit. <laughs> but yeah, like, as I kind of implied by the opener, that we're not gonna be fair. Like like evenly ma- like even level on either of these films, we're gonna be kind of mean, <laughs> and I have absolutely zero shame. I mean, it's it's worth noting that what's his name, Rupert Sanders. Yeah, he has a he has another movie coming out this year. We called, should say Rupert uh, Sanders is the director of the the two thousand seventeen. Yes, version. sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yes, um, he has another movie coming out this year. Uh. Tug, tug and rub or something like that <laughs> which is a really nice title uh, i don't know what it's about i mean i can think of, it's it sounds like a porno <laughs> it does but i think it's getting a professional release or a theatrical release so i mean you know first time for everything <laughs> however he has done he's only other done two other films that being ghost in the shell and Snow White and the Huntsman. <laughs> He's not doing really well. He's not doing well at all. Oh my god. So I'm, suffice I mean, it to say, I'm excited for his most recent picture. Yeah. I mean, I, hell. <laughs> it's like, I was about to make a joke about how he, like, you know, had an affair with, uh, with Kristen Stewart. But I was like, how am I going to turn this into a joke? <laughs> That is the joke. That's, yeah, that's the joke. <laughs> you leave it at that. That's why the second one was just the Huntsman. <laughs> God, 
Hollywood's hilarious. It is. Uh, it's a joy. It's a joke. Oh yeah. Um, it is a joke in and of itself. Yes. Um, but while since we're coming off a full circle, I just want to get it out of the way. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it for too long. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I am so done with sci-fi movies now. They all look the goddamn same. Oh, they yeah. all look exactly the same. I understand same people visual department for Blade Runner 2049 and this movie, but I mean this this one does not like even by sci-fi standards, even by modern sci-fi standards, this one was particularly generic and particularly just like this is just the exact same thing we've seen 20 times now. Holograms everywhere. Oh, yeah. Look, there's holograms everywhere. Can I they just... had st- the stupidest... Okay. So, when they... <laughs> in the in the remake, when they're driving down the street in that car before the big crash, it's when they're about to start chasing the garbage truck. Yeah. They show an undershot of the street. It's, it's not... It's not bad... In, it's... Okay. I need to calm down. <laughs> Because I'm starting this to get is, my words mixed up. This is going to be a good one, people. We're getting really into our cynical side now. It is bad enough that they have arrows on the street that flash in LED. Uh-huh. For what reason, I don't know. But they don't even have them, like, consistent. There will be an arrow that lights up, really stupid-like, with these LED lights, like, flashing. Like, go this way on the road. Uh-huh. But then the next arrow won't be LED, and then the one after it will. And they do this weird pattern like that, Mm -hmm. where it's like half of the street is lit up, and then the other half is just painted on with white paint. Yeah. Why? What's the purpose of that? What's the the purpose of the lights on, like, in the asphalt to begin with? But... Yeah. And like that... Why the pattern? That whole thing, like, that alone really illustrates the difference between these two things. And I should say... The the original nineteen ninety five version, the city they have, is astonishing. It's it, there's just there's a lot of moments in it where there's just silent, save for some very piercing and iconic music, of just establishing shots of the city and people moving around in it. This is one of the best cases of making a living city feel real i've seen in a long long time and it's completely animated so it's by all rights not real at all compare that to the 2017 version where it does not feel even slightly real because of things like that because it's nothing that seems realistic like why would they have these random flashing arrows on the road that you could only possibly be going one direction on in many cases or if it's just a standard road you know which side to drive on anyway why, I don't. I just don't understand like the perp, like the yeah. purpose of replacing paint with lights that go out. Exactly. I don't get it. Exactly. I don't get it. It's this whole thing where it's like they have these giant like holographic billboards and all these things are just super in your face. It's like no normal situation, no naturally progressing city or anything. Even if we have holograms in the future, no one's gonna do that because it's a impractical and b it makes no sense in the first place. And you see that compared to the original where it's, you know, they have one thing that got me that I thought was really just interesting. I hadn't thought about they had like they had cable boats instead of like cable cars. um, They had cable boats that went down canals that were connected to cabling just above them like a cable car would. And I was like, 
that's really cool. That's a really cool take on what was probably presumably this used to be a non-urban area, but cities got so large they literally encompassed a more rural area that had canals and they had to integrate them. It's like, that's a really interesting thing. And just seeing stuff like that where it's like buildings are under construction, but they still use like bamboo shoots and everything as scaffolding or you see how buildings may have naturally had to expand in certain directions it all looks astonishingly real and it's not in your face about it it's just like this is just a very big city with like some sort of sci-fi elements to say like maybe this was just built in a different manner it's just it's so living i love it well it's it's worth mentioning too is that if i if I remember co- correctly, so the futuristic side of the city in the original is, mm. it, it's more post-apocalyptic. It, it's not even like big apocalypse, but that's sort of the style that it is. Right, even it's just down, like it's dingy. Yeah, there's dingy, there's like slums. It's, it's down to the point that, like I said, if I remember correctly, the canals that they have everywhere are because of a huge flood that overtook the area. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas there, there are canals in the remake, I think in one part, I think they, but that's sort of really buried. And then they had the scene with like the huge water that was ankle deep. Was oh, yeah. that a lake? I don't remember what, I don't know if they explained that. They don't in uh, either film really, but I guess in the original it's like, you know, there was a flood and that's probably just a flooded region. And they don't explain that in the new one at all. They just end up in a big puddle, which that entire scene, that entire scene, I'm going to get into that once we like, well, uh, I, I love talking about the city and the uh, visuals and everything. I'm going to get into some individual scenes like hell. <laughs> when, when, what's his name was first walking in that, in the ankle high water though, it kind of reminded me of RoboCop, but then it got really actiony and yeah, like that scene near the end of RoboCop where he's like walking on the water. Oh, yeah. Before he shoots, what's his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> Red Foreman. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> well, I knew you I, I was going to say that, but I was like, should I say it? And then you said it. I was like, okay. <laughs> I can't remember the actor's name. Yeah, it um, works. Right. But, uh, yeah, so I'm glad that we got that out of the way. That was, there's a lot of stupid aspects of the new city, but that, that thing with the signs on the road was probably the only point where I actually paused it <laughs> because I was trying to figure out like, like what the hell why why that would be better exactly and that's why the that would be a futuristic it. upgrade to road paint the entire but thing whatever. feels more like it's like an attempted at an amusement park of the future and it's not even a good amusement park <laughs> yeah and it's just oh my god but yeah like that's we should we may as well start getting into like the actual like meat of the film which is you know incredible <laughs> at least in the it's incredible each in their own sense the 95 version in the sense of this is super cool and is actually really indicative of the society we live in like after the fact of this movie coming out and it's incredible in the 2017 version to think wow they fucked it up bad <laughs> they really did i like i'm i and I do feel bad that I'm we're gonna I'm gonna be bashing as hard as I am, but at the same time I don't. Cause I like, don't at all. Because like they took such a cultural icon and was just like, now nah, we can do it differently and better. Bleh. It's like fucking shush. 
And it's like um, it, it really does break down because that that was the whole thing that I mentioned at the beginning is that it posits itself as being a hard remake, and it has shot for shot remakes of a lot of the original scenes in the remake, but they're in different contexts and often they don't work at all. Like the first one being um, the original one opens obviously with the iconic one of the major falling off the building or well, not falling like kind of extreme repelling off the building in order to assassinate uh, the diplomat on that one floor. And it does that in the remake as well, but she doesn't have a repel. It's like, it. there's no point does it show her repelling back up. Like in the first one, you think, oh, she's literally just going to fall. It's like, then all of a sudden you see a wire that, you know, pulls taut to hold her up. It doesn't show that in the Scarlett Johansson case. She just kind of pops through the window somehow. Like she jumps off a building and then goes in. <laughs> it's not explained at all. Yeah. And the context of it is completely different as well because in the original one, she knew there was some stuff going down. She was literally there to specifically assassinate this person and was listening to radio chatter to know that stuff was going down. In the 17 version, she's up there on the building and then she sees this random box that's like scanning for stuff. It's like, wait a minute, why was she on the building in the first place then? (laughs) It doesn't explain. (laughs) She's just there. You know, I. (laughs) Okay, so if we're. So going to the premise of the original 1995, the animated one. Yeah. I like that concept. The way they set it up and everything, you know. Yeah. The the idea of these cybernetic enhancements uh, to the point of having these shells that in case they can encase these brains, which inhabit there's ghosts and it gets into what is mind over matter mm-hmm. like technology con- raising AI and it, what constitutes I, life that sort of thing. Right. And they, it's not even necessarily that they build to the discussion. Like they have it all the time. The major and Bateau really early on when she first hears the whisper. Yeah. They're having similar talks about the philosophy behind it. Right. And if when you're in a society that's not necessarily like, so built around it that that's become such a big thing like it's how modern philosophy like like with us we talk about it's like man we're all so obsessed with our phones and that sort of thing it's like could we really cope without these new devices and that sort of thing it's like similar levels for them like it's literally like except to do a slightly more extreme level where it's like we're literally only sort of human anymore (laughs) but it's also to the so when they're talking on this boat it's not just philosophy, though, or this scientific discussion, because it's interspersed with humor and relation, and it shows how these two characters connect. Mm-hmm. It sort of shows how how they're interacting as well, so it also functions as character development, and it doesn't feel awkward or forced. Yeah. Necessarily. Like these, feel like, these feel like some of the most genuine characters I've seen in the film in a really long time. Right. It, it comes across as natural and you can see that characters saying these things but did you there's no way you couldn't have noticed like it was the first thing i thought about because it's the first thing in the movie in the remake when the major's first being built dr what's her name is there uh olette uh yeah dr olette is there talking to uh 
what's his name? I don't remember these Cutter. new characters. Yeah, talking to Cutter. And she's like, she thinks she is an individual. And he is like, I do not think of her as a person. She is a weapon because she is a machine. They just say it. Yeah, they I... just outright say the entire, like, sociological or psychological, like, debate philosophical i can't even think straight i understand like like the, the complete the 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 philosoph- the philosophical ramifications of an artificial life like an a, a, a natural brain fused with an artificial body the theme of the movie is dropped into your lap within the first five minutes and you can you can like even just going into the movie you see this ai getting built and then you see her going on missions you see her interacting with other people that are that are regular people just with robotic upgrades and naturally you can be like okay well through dialogue or through action maybe she feels like she isn't being properly utilized maybe she's wondering why she isn't treated the same as other people but no yeah. well, let's just say it let's yeah. just say it instead they instead. constantly it's like why have subtext when you could just make it text instead <laughs> it's just like constantly she has this like I can't tell when I get right down to it if this is because of Scarlett Johansson just as an actress or if it's the dialogue itself because I've tried to imagine other actresses pulling this off, namely an actual Japanese actress. But I would think of them and I think of anyone else doing these lines and I think, okay, this could maybe be doable. It wouldn't be, it still wouldn't be great, but it would come across as more genuine than this person saying it. But like, she constantly has this whole like rebellious teenager sort of thing going on not even rebellious teenager just like grumpy teenager like there's a point when the whole team is being dismissed as they're about to like start their investigation but then she gets called back in by um oh um uh aramaki like the head of the oh yeah the chief yeah and she turns and she walks into her office into his office with this absolute like tilted stomping her feet like pouty walk and i'm like what the fuck is this <laughs> this is so <laughs> dumb and then all of her dialogue is constantly just this weird stilted feeling like i will kill him i will do it because that is what i'm programmed to do it's like i i hated that line get it robot i am robot i am uh-huh. robot because that's all you think of me right that's what all everyone thinks of me it's like shut the fuck up <laughs> it's so dumb the dialogue is such like middle school level like philosophy crap where it's like the line where she says later on it's like dr olette's like i can look into you and like see all your memories and all these things which it that line alone is still dumb but then she was then <laughs> but then the major the major replies with i guess privacy is just for humans i'm like oh my god this is this is a middle schooler's <laughs> creative writing class <laughs> i knew someone like this in middle school exactly we all knew someone Top like this and had a myspace account and a foamy the squirrel keychain yeah it's... i didn't talk to her about philosophy oh my god and it's like if you tried to it's like if you took one of those people and t- told them about the just the idea of philosophy or at least like modern philosophy and they just were like <gasps> yes <laughs> and then they just just <laughs> devoured all the base level stuff that they could understand and then just like re like regurgitated it on some basic level i'm just like 
I, uh, the do- it's so stilted in every case. And she's not the only one to do this. I won't lie. Like, she's not. I think the only person I can give any credit in this movie is, um, is Beat Takeshi, who, like, you know, God bless him, just blatantly did not speak English in the entire film. And he's the only character to actually speak Japanese. Yeah, and which I which I was so happy to see. I was like, "All right, beat Takeshi." He's like acclaimed director, artist, actor. He does a he's done a whole bunch of stuff. He's an amazing. Yeah. He's a prolific man, um, and I'm a I'm a huge fan of his work. And just seeing him be like being <laughs> stuck in this movie, I'm like, I feel really bad for him. But thank God he was just like, "I'm I don't speak English. I'm gonna speak Japanese. You're gonna have to deal with it." And so they did. <laughs> I didn't think that the, I didn't think that the actor that played Batao in the remake did a particularly bad job. He had a bunch of stupid lines too, but I think he delivered them fairly he del- well. He delivered them fine. He wasn't the same. He didn't feel like the same character as the original one. But he no, did, he did not. As as just a, a, a character in and of itself, I thought he was fine. I thought he was pretty generic when you get right down to it. But you know, it could have been worse. Yeah. Um. I, that's. Something I feel a little bad, too, is the way they talk to one another, Major and Batao, in the remake. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly. I just don't re- remember. Uh, um, Major, um... Well, I, no, Batao, Batao. Oh, his Batao. Name. I think it's... Is it Batao? I think technically the, the it would be Batao. Like, Batao? Yeah. But I, I can't say for certain. It, it was hard to tell. They barely even right. say his name in the, in the remake. Yeah. But the, um... But whenever the Major and Bato, let's just say that, are talking to one another, whenever they're communicating, sometimes they try to give them, uh, like, back-and-forth dialogue. It may not have any, like, meaning behind it, mm-hmm. but they'll be talking to one another, like, uh, when they're having the conversation about uh, his dogs, like the dogs. Which He's I'm like, going like to say something about that here in a second, but you're on. Okay. Um, well, he's like, I like dogs, and she's like, I'm more of a cat person, which I, I believe was the dialogue. It still feels really stilted and out of nowhere, but I can see what they're trying to do. Yeah. I can see they're trying to, like, relate to the characters and, like, have them talk. Like, they're trying to make her seem more human, which is, like... The whole point of the movie. The whole point of the movie, and it's already an uphill battle, given that Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> right. And like, but it is it is worth noting. I was talking about this beforehand when I was talking to you. Yeah. Uh, how the remake, for some reason, tries to encompass more aspects of the franchise than just the first one, mm. than just the first movie. And that dog thing, uh, his relationship with those dogs was sort of an element that was used in uh, Ghost in the Shell: Innocence. Oh. The one that I was ta- telling you about. Huh. Like I, I think he ha- he has like he's tied to a pack of dogs. Huh, that's kinda cool. So I, I believe that was what that was, but mm-hmm. But it's just like while we're on the subject of that particular scene where he like is feeding the stray dogs, that scene and and there's so many other scenes that are that are like this. That scene immediately cuts away like once he's like feeding them, it immediately cuts away to them both uh, Bato and Major in a car driving off to somewhere else, which already is a very, you know, it's just a hard cut. It immediately goes into them still talking about dogs, where it's like, what the fuck just happened? 
Why did we go all the way over here and we're having the same conversation? Where are we going? What is happening? It's so stilted and confusing. It's, it drove me insane. That was one of the biggest ones where I was like, I can't process what's happening. I have no, I've literally, my brain just had a short circuit. <laughs> it's, it was infuriating when I saw it. That's one of those things where like <clears throat> you're watching a TV show and you see ca- characters talking about something when they get into a car and then they arrive, it, it, it just cuts to their arrival. They get out of the car and they're talking about the same thing. It's like, did the did the conversation like progress at all, or were they just silent the entire yeah the entire work until the scene cut, and then they're like, oh yeah, we were talking about something. We should finish that. That's actually my. F- that's what humans do. That's why actually my favorite thing. Um, I've, I haven't seen the entire show or even any of the show, but it was a scene from the Sonic Boom TV show that was out recently, and yeah. there was a scene actually where. It was like Amy and some other characters, some new character for the show, where it's um, Amy was like talking about how she doesn't like the certain thing this one character is doing. And she goes, well, I know one thing. Well, this isn't really my cup of tea, but I'll tell you one thing that is my cup of tea. And then it cuts to her like sitting down holding a cup of tea. And she says, a cup of tea. And the other character goes, why did you just say that? It was like, oh, I was saying, you know, how earlier I was saying I asked what my cup of tea is. And I was resp- I was answering that. And he goes, that was like an hour ago. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like, and, it's, and Amy goes on to say, it's like, yeah, but I wanted to respond to it now in case someone was watching this in like a cut off sequence. And the original character and the other character goes, you see them too? <laughs> I do need to watch that show. It's very funny uh, of the clips. I've anyway. Seen. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> but anyways, um, that, yeah, that's sort of what that feels like. It's very, uh, Mm-hmm. We can just chalk all that up to how broken down and like jilted it feels. Yeah, the whole thing is just like it need like it had it was terrible editing. It's just like when it gets right down to it, this is just a badly edited film. Um, Nothing feels natural, and you have to wonder was that? I doubt it, but was that the point? No, I blatantly <laughs> refuse to believe that's the point because they explain such blatant bullshit in it. Like when the very first opening scene drops the philosophy of the film on your lap with an audible clunk they're not doing anything with subtlety anything at all (laughs) like anything they try to do subtlety they do not understand at all so i refuse to believe that was ever an intention (laughs) i just can't i'm gonna talk about the 95 one for a bit um yeah i i was gonna follow right along with you (laughs) um so I don't know. I don't even know where to start. I liked a lot of it. Uh, we should we should cover this first, actually. Uh, we both watched different versions of the film. Yes, I watched the original Japanese with subtitles version, which I, which is which is typically more accurate, at least to its dialogue. Yeah, and I watched the dub because I like it. I watch both. I I do understand that sometimes things get lost in translation, especially with comedies, because mm-hmm. they in Japan they do a lot of puns that obviously don't translate, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of changes there. But uh, I I like both this time. I have the option to watch both. My DVD, my European DVD comes with both options, so I'll probably watch the sub at some time. I just felt like the dub. Yeah, uh, I had a especially. Hunt. I had to hunt Sorry. down a rentable version of the sub. Like, otherwise, it's completely only just the dub online. 
It took me Which forever is crazy to, to find me. it. I, I gotta tell you, though, I held off on explicitly telling you this. Getting this DVD, this 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 DVD is really nice. It mm-hmm. comes with one of those outward box cases uh, with original artwork on it. It comes Which with an, awesome. Yeah, it comes with a foldable insert that has... Hold on. Let me pull this out. It has artwork on the insert, two Excuse images me. of two images of the major, mm-hmm. and uh, what's this on the other side? Oh, there's more. Uh, <laughs> it has a large scale, not really large scale because it's relatively small to fit in the DVD, but it's a poster with mm-hmm. quotes on it from people here in Hollywood that saw it. Spectacular, says The Guardian. A stunning work of speculative fiction, says James Cameron. So that's really neat. Which and, I, I don't know what all to take from James Cameron, but yeah. <laughs> any praise is good praise. But, uh, yeah, so it's really nice, but it's European, and I couldn't get it to play in anything. <laughs> uh, the only, The only device that I could get to play this DVD was my my pc that i'm using to record right now mm-hmm. uh which unfortunately that should have been my second option but it was more like my fifth <laughs> as soon as i put it in my dvd player and it gave me this region error i freaked out and i i was like okay the dvd player in the living room no the the ps3 no the ps4 not even the ps4 and i was like losing my mind <laughs> but uh the PC like, was able to play it. It sounds like my hunt for the sub. Like every time I thought I'd found one that had subs, it like it just said like, "Oh, this one is subtitled," as in to say it has subtitles for English, but it was still an English dub. I was like, "God damn it!" <laughs> I rented two different films thinking I had it, and but then, well, two like two films in addition to the actual film. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I that spent about crazy. Uh, I spent about ten dollars getting this one done, which I, I know not much, but still, right. But yeah. I feel I. Uh, but yeah, since we both have different experiences with that, I think we can talk about the voice casts a bit. Mm-hmm. Um. So Mimi Woods, who is the major in the dub, mm-hmm. she does she does a pretty good job because her her the way she speaks, there's sort of emotion behind it. But a lot of the time when she's talking, it's almost monotone. Yeah, and which is I, the same I, for the sub. Right, I think that's obviously what she was going for. Uh, she has inflection in her voice, but most of the time, it, it it's sort of this monotone, robotic voice. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. I think that's what they were. I obviously think that's what they were going for, especially if that was how it was in the sub. Oh yeah, it def- uh, and it definitely implies in early on, like even in the film that. She isn't complete. She, while she has a human brain, she definitely is more robotic than human, even in her thought process, since she's so integrated with, um, like in, internal networks and everything that she has to surf through sometimes in order to access different things. So, right. Um, and uh, I, I guess the real star of it for me was Bato, who in the dub was Richard Epcar. And that was one of my reasons that I decided to watch the dub because I really like uh, Richard Epcar. Mm-hmm. He was he's Ansem in Kingdom Hearts. He's uh, Bobobo in Bobobo. He's Joseph Joestar in the Jojo Damn. Bizarre Adventure dub. You got some so cred he does, behind him. Yeah, he he does a lot of that stuff. Uh, 
and and he's good as Bato. I I don't I don't have much else to say outside of just he's good. It's one of those voices where I hear it and I'm like, yeah, I I love you're I doing love... what you do. It's like it's like hearing uh Christopher Lee and stuff. Oh yeah, I love just, Bato. I like that voice. I love ba- I love Bato just in general, and I really should say I I, I should give the voice actors for these guys for these guys because these have awesome names like um atsuko tanaka is um ma- is major motoko and then akio atsuka is bato then koichi yamadera is tasuga tamio oki is Arma- aramaki and iyamasa kayumi is the puppet master those are fucking awesome names <laughs> those are awesome <laughs> yeah like seriously you like japanese names are kind of next level when you get right down to it that's just yeah. I I, um, I I loved looking up the looking all these up because all these guys are really really good. So, going off of voices, mm-hmm. just a little bit. I already praised the two main ones. There's tons of other actors. Uh, Tom Weiner is the puppet master. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chief Aramaki is William Frederick Knight. There's a ton of people involved in this, but there are two things that bothered me. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all. I think it was Ishikawa. Whoever did the dub for Ishikawa, it sounded like they were doing a Mako impersonation. <laughs> or Mako? Mako? Um, I always forget how to pronounce his name, but it sounded like him, and I had to look it up and see if it was him, but it was not. Huh. Didn't you hear that? It sounded like Aku from Samurai Jack. I mean, what, what, what uh, few scenes of the dub that I saw, I, I did watch... Oh, I keep forgetting you saw this. Oh up. no, I mean it's fine. Um, I saw a few of those, and I do kind of remember that. I did. I think that was. I was trying to play, so I was like, "That sounds a bit like some character." I don't know. Yeah, but it was not. So I, I'm wondering if they were doing an impersonation of Mako. Maybe. Uh, that's also just and, seems to be a kind of a generic, like older Japanese man style thing. Yeah, that's true. It's very Sam. I don't know if I'm just thinking of this because Aku in Samurai Jack, but it, it sound, that's what I think of when I think of a samurai. Yeah. So, yeah, I that's... think of like an old Shogun with that voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which I'm sure is probably and... kind of accurate. It, it could be. I I don't know. I wouldn't want to speculate, but... Yeah, we don't want to get, you know, kind of <laughs> racial assumptions here, which, you know, the, the remake did that for us. <laughs> We'll talk about that. We are going to talk <laughs> about that. We cannot avoid that one. Uh, and so I'll let you talk about maybe the voice cast a little bit for yours, like what you liked and what you disliked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just have one more thing I want to bring up. So in the scene in 1995 version, near the beginning, when they're about to chase down that garbage truck, mm-hmm. and they stop and there's this man walking out of a slum with a garbage can. Like, the man that missed the garbage truck, and he's like, oh, man, I missed it. You remember that scene? Yeah, I remember it. Whoever the incidental voice actor for that random man in the dub was, I do not know, but I think he was doing Don Knotts. What? And it was very distracting. It was like, <laughs> I didn't see oh, that well, scene, I, so. missed, I missed the garbage truck again. It was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. I saw the trash man making a call, so I thought I had enough time to bring my garbage down. Why are you? <laughs> is... What is this? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> he's just kind of a—he's just kind of well, a dude. I gotta tell Andy I missed the garbage truck again. 
he's just kind of a dude in the original one. He's just kind of like, oh no, the the, the guy. I'm not. I should not in any way try to impersonate this voice. <laughs> I was about to be like, <laughs> it's probably for the best that you don't. <laughs> I was like, he just kind of sounds like just kind of like a sort of middle aged dude. It's like that's about it. There's nothing spectacular about him. Yeah, well, he was very Mayberry PD in yeah. my version, so. He was very funny, like, as the um, Bato and the other guy in the car were driving off, he literally held up the back and was like, like, very, you could barely hear the voice, but the subtitle was, hey, could you take this with you? <laughs> yeah, he said, uh, in the dub, he goes, aren't you going to take my trash? Oh, yeah, no. so. in this one, he's a bit more innocent about it. He's like, could you maybe take this? Okay. <laughs> Well, this one was made for Americans, so exactly, it's got to be a bit more forceful than that. Yeah, we we know again the philosophy clunk in the lab. <laughs> <laughs> These people are idiots. They'll eat, a, they'll eat anything. <laughs> but yeah, it's and I don't have anything in particular else to say about the voices specifically. I think I just love the characters in general in um the first in the original. Where I think, I'm trying to think. I think actually, weirdly, Togusa, the um, the all the fully human officer that works directly with the major, um, right. I think he's one of my favorites because he's very genuine in what's everything he's doing, and he's kind of a not necessarily a foil, but he's kind of just this reminder of humanity in the this whole thing. Since you're pretty much almost exclusively interacting with cybernetic people, with the exception of maybe. Aramaki, but he's already like a stone cold like director type, so he's practically robotic. Um, right, and so it's kind of just cool seeing like he's literally just like, "Hey, Major, I used to just be a cop. Why are you bringing me along on all this sort of stuff?" And, he's, and she just is is like, which we give crap to the original one for dropping some philosophy, but this one also at times gets kind of lost in its own philosophy. We should give it that, and. It kind of drops that one kind of hard originally, where she says, I bring you along because you're human, and humans are capable of reacting and truly changing rather than being specialized tools like me, which is like, all right, that's cool. Right. That's definitely also. It seems a little heavy handed, yeah. But it's also kind of cool seeing that that's kind of a different philosophy than you typically see. It's literally straight up saying, look, modern technology is awesome humanity is still humanity like we need to protect that as for what it is rather than just being like what is human am i human why am i not human where it's like all right shush (laughs) right there's a very admittedly subtle difference but it is them straight up being we are not like we recognize that modern technology is a thing but in the end it can only ever be an extension of the self whereas a lot of american things it can kind of just be Technology is everything, which is, you know, it, you'd classify um, the original Ghost in the Shell as cyberpunk, right? Uh, because I personally would. I know a lot of people might not, but I think I it's, don't, yeah, it's got I don't all the hallmarks. Think so at least, at least by my personal definition, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But I, I only say so because I compare it to like the direct opposite of steam of um, cyberpunk and that being steampunk. Where steampunk gets very glorification of technology, where cyberpunk is kind of almost a demonization of it, where it's still got a very fresh take on the fact of technology really needs to be watched rather like watched and kept in a bit of check so that we don't lose ourselves to it, and then you get the the remake where it's just kind of like technology, boom. <laughs> you know, I guess that's fair. Yeah. 
which is like it's definitely not a strictly speaking a cyberpunk like it's definitely not like akira it's definitely i mean hell i think we get right down to it the remake's actually more cyberpunk as it goes into the whole idea of you know evil corporations and that sort of thing although very 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 light-handedly but also (laughs) heavy-handedly yeah light-handedly in the sense of they don't explain it that much and heavy-handedly in the fact of cutter the head of uh hangar robotics is the most evil corporate douche ever (laughs) it's like pretty much blatant like he has this one eye that's like a different color and everything he just straight up looks like a human demon well his name is cutter so exactly he's only ever referred to as cutter yeah it's just like it's so weird with that whole thing yeah he kind of had to do that uh going since we were talking about the uh the way it's like, you know, humanity is still humanity. They, they're they doing things with technology that has been done before, mm-hmm. which is AI having the capability of a human. At what point is can you classify that as more than just AI, but as like intelligence which itself? The, which even which, the puppet master in the film even posits, I'm not an AI, I'm literally just a creature. <laughs> right. What I was gonna, what I was gonna say, I was gonna go off of that. I like the fact that it isn't just that they play with it a little with like actual rights. You know, a lot of yeah. AI's like, well, I think, therefore, I am. So can't mm-hmm. I be human? But it, in Ghost in the Shell, he's like, I'm human. I want, I want political asylum. Yeah. <laughs> or I want, I want diplomatic immunity or whatever. Yeah, which like. It also makes sense for his character. Well, it, I guess I should say its character because even establishes this thing doesn't technically have a gender, um, and so it, it, like it, its original purpose was you know espionage and skullduggery and that sort of bullshit, and so it, it straight up saying that sort of stuff makes sense because it's like it's had to learn about humanity and the fact of being alive through such a bureaucratic process. It's, like, really cool to actually see that. It's like, what would a human being like if he were only ever raised on bureaucracy and assassinations? Right. I just I just like the fact that it, he, like, goes for a very specific right that would help him in that situation instead of being, like, I'm oh. a human. You have to treat me as a human. He's like, no, I think I'm a human. You have to, like, give me yeah. the rights that I have. Yeah, it's, it's like... Like, it's like every every basic functional like every basic function of me, despite what you th- believe t- to be a fact, I'm alive. I have these basic thoughts. Shut up. <laughs> it's like it's like if they were interrogating him and he said, "I can think, therefore I am a human. Yeah. I will not speak to you until you bring me my lawyer." Yeah, that'd be hilarious. That's no, I think that's good. Mm-hmm. And it's it really is a very fresh feeling of like the ai character like a it's not just a wholly evil thing where it's like humanity must be eliminated which is such a which although is probably a realistic placeholder it actually kind of goes into the more spiritual sense of technology which western cultures just don't really do at least not well with the exception of maybe like ex machina with that one uh film with like oscar isaac and uh donald gleason right right yeah great great i saw that yeah which I was actually going to recommend at the end of this, but, you know, what do you know? Um, you, you still can. 
Yeah, well, I will later on. Um, okay. But yeah, it was cool seeing, and this is and this is obviously this is a very um, Eastern kind of idea. I, I I shouldn't generalize saying this, but in in my experience of seeing these kinds of stories and everything between this and Akira, um, that technology is really seen in a more spiritual light. It's less of a tool and more a reflection of the self. And then to see it actually expanded on to the ultimate level, to the point of what if technology was its own self, it was actually really refreshing to see it kind of done in that way and how it literally, in the end, a normal kind of Western, like a, a more Western idea would maybe have the, you know, artificial sapient creature be get to a point of, I must integrate with the world's technology grid and become the now equivalent of a god and so i can rule over you as i see fit in this case it literally does the exact opposite where it's like i want to be an actual creature i don't just want to be effectively an immortal set of like line of code i want to merge with you and therefore force myself into having mortality and the ability to naturally evolve which is like really cool and i didn't expect it to go there i was like oh okay it actually is like not necessarily humble, but it wants to be a part of this world. Right. I mean, isn't that the thing? At the end, at the end, it's even talking about like the combination of the two of them together to sort of like keep themselves going. They'll gain each other's attributes, mm-hmm. and uh, but but it doesn't necessarily end there. He actually talks about like offspring and the fact that he would end up dying in the end. Yeah. Like uh, uh, he's viewing it as in a very human way. He he understands the implications of well, they're they're these well, for lack of a better term, I guess ghosts that are in these shells and they're going to produ- they're going to produce new life in a very different way. But he mm-hmm. talks about it in a very human way, or not even human, but an animalistic way, I guess, because he mentions uh, his own passing after time. Oh yeah. So it's not like extinction. It's it's the it's it's keeping his species, I guess, continuing on. He mentions like that's the whole reason that for survival or for what we do is just survival. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing is survival, and they even and and as they kind of like had brought up earlier is that a specialized tool like no matter how effective technology can get, it will only ever be this thing that you build it to be, and in the end that cannot survive. Like there's always going to be a point where it's just like this thing just won't work here. It doesn't matter how adaptive you say it is. It's built within a set of instruct like with a, just a set program of doable things and after which point it is not usable anymore it's dead forever whereas like a human will always keep changing right which is just really cool the more and more like this is the kind of movie that really lends itself to being watched more than once if only because you just catch little details but also just so you can kind of re-grasp all the you know philosophy behind it and really just what it's trying to say in the end because it is still kind of confusing, and I'm sure we're not even doing near enough justice for the kind of philosophy that it actually does bring to the surface. Right. But well, it's just, in yeah. the end, we can only we can only uh, <clears throat> give what we took. 
Exactly. Which, like, compare that to the 2017 version, and I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> it's just... The way that one ends, I was, like... Yeah. I like... was mind-blown. Can we talk about... Okay, so... Absolutely, the, the we can one... talk about it. <laughs> the new one changed a lot. A lot, There's no denying lot. that. But I... Even after watching up until the end of the movie, I wasn't expecting them to change the ending. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting, let's merge. N- no. Yeah, it just came out I of nowhere. <laughs> it didn't have any purpose. Like, this guy, like, it's not even... This character, Kuze, is just, his... Like, his motivations... And obviously, his motivations are nowhere near the kind of, like clarity that you get in the original one what was he trying to do like he was trying to kill off all the people that made him and then what like was there any purpose to this whole thing <laughs> I, I I honestly don't know because he uh, he didn't even bring up merging until he was like dying yeah and there was nothing so I don't even gained. think there was any reason there was no like survival tactics or proliferation or anything like that he's just like hey we need to merge, or I'm gonna be gone. I'm gonna die. I don't want to die. This, I guess, that is survival, but I mean, it's different. Yeah, and like, there's no, like, there's so many things of, the, of what he does that seem to either have no purpose or just outright confusing. The first one being, like, when he takes over the like, in this case, in the original one, the way he would take over people's minds is that he would subtly hack into them and then replace their memories to make it seem like they're doing things that they aren't actually doing like oh in the god i the, forgot about this in the original in the original case he turns this one garbage truck driver into his and like remote hacker like he was hacking into um this translator's brain from a distance at these um tele- at these telephone lines and he would go up to it thinking oh i'm hacking into like my wife's security or microphone or my wife's brain in order to figure out if she's having an affair with me, like an affair or something. In reality, he doesn't actually have a wife that was implanted in order to make him go to these calls and do what he thought was these, um, was like, like eavesdropping on his wife as the perfect cover. And it was also done the same with the other thug that was, you know, helping him out. This being the guy, there was a another guy that the major ends up following and, um, you know, shoots at her. But it was kind of the guy planting these extra hacking cards or something that he the truck driver was using to hack. And it, so it has this really cool setup of this guy is so good at what he's doing. He's able to manipulate people's own minds into doing what he wants. And so it's the perfect cover. They can't even, they can't even, um, you know prosecute like um like bear witness against him because they don't know what they're doing compare that to the 2017 version where kuze instead like kuze is just somehow able to just straight up take over their minds entirely and just force them into like ramming into the car of dr olette to try and assassinate her like no implanted memories or anything or like oh well okay there are implanted memories. That's the whole thing. It reveals in the end that, yeah, he still has these fake memories, but there's no purpose to them. It doesn't seem like there's any purpose to them because they don't know what they were doing in the first place. It just kind of seems like he implanted them for a laugh. <laughs> it's like, 
there's no discernible reason why all of a sudden he's like i have this family but it's actually a fake memory what it's like that doesn't they've never known anything else they just literally were just like sitting there and then all of a sudden they got little hacking noises in them and they went stiff as a board and started attacking it's like what the fuck just happened there's nothing to be concerned about here i just i also really like ripping people's like shells apart right just like let me just like take your eye like the shell around your eye off it's like okay we get it yeah they're robots whatever it's all yeah we we also get that you want to show off those visual effects but you've done this this is like the eighth time you've done it so i'm yeah even when i'm not impressed you're lingering on the face for far too long this is like did i'm pretty sure ex machina came out before this and like it it definitely did because and, I saw it my sophomore year of yeah. college. And I don't know what it is about the the new Ghost in the Shell versus it versus um, Ex Machina. It, in Ex Machina, when they do things that are like these body, basically body horror things where it's very disconcerting and weird seeing like her putting on like different layers of skin or like just the fact that she's literally just a face on an otherwise uncovered mechanical dome. But then when they do everything in Ghost in the Shell, I don't feel anything. This just kind of feels like, oh, it's just an effect. Okay, whatever. It's like, I don't know what subtlety Ex Machina did that made it more realistic than this one. Because they do it all the time in the new one. And even from the very first even from the very first moment of them doing it, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't bother me at all. I think it's more so just to get the point across. It's more hammering stuff in. They were like, you know, they didn't like display the shells enough in the original. So what if we just constantly like, look, we're taking like pieces off of people there. This is a shell. Which like, again, that goes back in the shell, which again, that goes get back to the original idea of, you know, in the original philosophy, it's technology is just a direct reflection of all our stuff. Whereas in the Western idea, it's like, whoa, look at technology. It's so weird and, fl- and freaky, yo. It's like, fucking shush. Yo. <laughs> Technology's freaky, yo. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it just keeps doing stuff like that with different scenes and different, just trying to capture some sort of like weird limelight that I don't really, it, uh. I honestly, I can't wrap my head around half of the decisions that they ended up making i can't wrap my head around any of them <laughs> the biggest <laughs> including the <laughs> go Inc- on including what i i, I was going to go into a, in a, a pretty long one. Oh, okay i was i was going to go into the big one <laughs> i think i was too oh where it's a white lady <laughs> scarjo yeah, yeah. where it's a white yeah, I, lady that's what i was gonna say where it's a okay like and we should state for the record I know people aren't always necessarily comfortable with this sort of stuff. This has to be brought up because it's some of the most blatant and awful whitewashing I've ever seen, at least in a modern film. I know there have been worse. I know, like, fucking Mickey Rooney and Breakfast with Tiffany's. Um, (laughs) That's funny, though. It's at least funny. (laughs) But in this case, it's just like, I should state for the record that I didn't properly explain the synopsis. In the 2017 version, it's established that the brain of... The, the brain that resides in the shell of the Major and Scarlett Johansson's character originally came from a young Japanese woman named, named um, Moriko uh, Kasanagi. 
and it was taken from her and then placed inside this now Caucasian body. And they literally have a scene at the end where it's like Scarlett Johansson reconnecting with her Japanese mother. <laughs> it's so bad. And they try to establish it as this bullshit where it's like, oh, it's corporate people that are doing these things that turn it into this white lady and other bullshit. Where it's like, no, they fucking made a Japanese character into a white woman. It is so bad. It is so bad. And it's awful. Now, okay, when this movie, before this movie came out, when this was announced and people were losing their minds that they were whitewashing this main character, me personally, I did not see it as a problem. And that's because I didn't, I didn't see it as whitewashing. I saw it as Americanizing, and I was like, while I don't necessarily want it to be Ghost in the Shell in America, I can understand Americanizing the project because we do that all the time over here. So I don't think it's whitewashing. I think it's Americanizing. Yeah. I didn't know that the movie still took place in Japan with a heavily Japanese cast until I saw it. Yep. I didn't know that. I mean, at that point, that wasn't announced. We didn't know to the extent of what the remake was remaking, so I just assumed it was going to be in New York or Chicago or something. Yeah, and that's kind of what I thought as well. But, like, it's in Japan, which they don't do a good job of establishing. Like, they do all these, like... (laughs) No. They do all these Japanese, like, art... Sort of artistic styles and everything, but otherwise it's so generic feeling that it's, like, it could be anywhere when you get right down to it. But it's they like, have geisha bots. They have geisha bots. And there's so many Japanese lettering and everything. It's like, you mean like every other dystopia city ever since like Blade Runner? <laughs> yeah. I just like, which I can't, which I can't give it crap since this, since the original came out after Blade Runner, but still, it still felt like a real like Japanese city. <laughs> yeah. It, it just, yeah. And, and, and just like. All of that, and then on top of the fact that they literally made a plot point out of the fact that they turned a Japanese woman into a white woman. It's just like... That makes it worse, because at that point, so... they're owning they're owning up to the fact that it's whitewashing. They're trying to write around it, but at that point, there's literally no reason for it to have been done, except for the star power. Exactly. That's literally the only reason. And at that point, they could have gotten some... Fa- they could have gotten a famous, like... Asian lady, maybe not even necessarily Japanese. I want like, them. I wish I they would have had, done Japanese, but I wish they had used um, the actress from uh, Pacific Rim. I cannot remember her name, but the the the, um, the lead female actress in Pacific Rim. Oh, I know who was, you're talking about. She would have been perfect for this role, like absolutely. But perfect. there's no star power there. Exactly. That's the whole thing. Like, I wish they had gotten star power in a couple of the other spots, which they sort of did with, like, Beat Takeshi. But otherwise, there really weren't a lot of big names in this. And that's even the thing, is that Takeshi is star power for a very niche set of people. Yeah. The majority of people here do not know who that man is. To be honest, I'm not familiar with any of his work except for his video game. I know, like... I think I know one... some of his work, but I haven't seen it. I think... What a lot of people, the biggest one I'm sure people might know is Battle Royale, which is like, which became pretty right. big once uh, Hunger Games came out because it's basically just, it's the original version it's the of same Hunger thing. Games. Yeah. yeah. Which Battle Royale, I, I, I know the movie, but I still have not seen it. So I've seen most of it. It's, it's really yeah, good, actually. Um, it really does, it really captures like the kind of horror that would happen in that Hunger Games situation in a more 
not necessarily realistic sense, but it actually is like, oh, yeah, these are kids killing each other. This is horrible. And so right. in that sense, it's, it's a very good film. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's the biggest star power is that. And then like the guy who plays Bato, I recognize him from something but i can't tell you what i think he's i in... looked it up and it said he it said he was in game of thrones and i saw that that's and I was it like, he's great, one of the great he's i in... don't watch that he's in he's one of the gray joys so like i've at least know him from that i think he's like the main villain great yeah yeah he's um he's like a villain character which you know still pretty good um but yeah that's the most i know him from and so just i've i have no earthly idea why they had to have this plot point why they had to have this stupid plot point. they could have kept it the same plot line not necessarily they didn't have to keep it exact i know it would have been a weird it would have been hard to digest a lot of the themes in an american audience versus a japanese audience but the fact that they directly pointed out that they're doing some terrible immoral shit by turning this person like by literally whitewashing literally the movie opens with whitewashing <laughs> when you get right down to it like when she goes up <laughs> oh through, my god that's true yeah it literally opens with the scene of her going up through like the white gel and everything it's like wow <laughs> but it all peels off in a fantastic bit of visual effect styling it and, all floats and flakes away almost as if to say it's we're removing that it, it see but it's then, uh, really but then underneath that is something somehow, at least spiritually, even whiter. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't think of a more white actress than Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> I don't necessarily want to pick on her for the. I I will well, pick no. on her for her acting styling, but I'm not going to oh, yeah. pick on her for for gonna, her I'll pick role on her. in. I won't pick on her for her, her being in the movie because I will. Obviously, she, had, she, she took absolutely the role. had a choice in this. <laughs> No, she absolutely had a choice in it, but I think that the director's more to blame. I mean, yeah, there's a there's a lot of people to blame here. If ScarJo turned it down, then props to her, but he would have gone after someone else. I mean, yeah, fucking Sanders. <laughs> Tilda just... Swinton, who is probably the whitest woman alive. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> and also, I should say because I had never mentioned the uh, the director for the original is. Um, Mamoru Oshii, um, which I'm pretty sure is how you pronounce it. It's, it's, it's got two eyes on the end. So, has he done anything else we might be familiar with? I do not know. I did not look that up. <laughs> I'll I'll look it up while you talk about something else. Oh yeah, cool. Um, but there there was another particular scene I was trying to um think back on. Oh yeah, I was gonna talk about and, and like and obviously we're running long. We're gonna running near our end time if anything almost oh yeah yeah i just looked at it but um it was the scene in which in the original where they're chasing down the garbage truck and then subsequently the thug that was working with them um in the original it has the major you know it shows the major like going up to the rooftops and like doing all these acrobatics and stuff and like tracking down this guy as he makes his way to this flooded area and has this really cool fight scene and all having her in her cam her like invisibility suit and everything and it's really well done and it like kind of shows the whole process and then it has that same scene in a completely different context well nearly completely different context in the remake 
and it's so silly looking. Like, it just it has them. It has the major and Bato show up and start shooting at them as um, they're about to kill Doctor Olette. Which for some reason they don't kill her immediately. It's like they start asking, "What about this project?" It's like didn't you didn't do any of this with the other people that you assassinated? Um, but it's it, then it shows the one truck driver instead of the thug. It shows him running off and like putting on the camel like in the original, and then it doesn't show Major again until one scene where he's passing down through this alley, which is a really really bad remake of the same scene in the original where it shows a plane flying over this like really tight alley of um like apartment buildings and the original the plane is huge it's super low to the ground it's like very striking and the new one it's just this kind of like little prop plane that's kind of above it and it's kind of weirdly centered (laughs) it's kind (laughs) of silly looking and then it follows that exact shot with him with the thug running down the alleyway and then showing behind him on the back of the like the top of the building right behind him is Major just standing there, just out of nowhere. It didn't show her going up there. Just all of a sudden she's just like pop, <laughs> and then and then right after that it shows him like running out and then it shows cuts back to Scarlett Johansson like running to the right like down the building, but she's doing like what looks like a like a Marx Brothers run where she's like over exaggerating her movements and she's like it's it's so funny looking I literally laughed when I saw it she's gotta get to the Fredonia meeting (laughs) It's, it's just the whole thing is so badly shot it's so there's no like coherence or structure to the whole scene where it shows him just randomly showing up in this like waterlogged area and it recreates that original fight scene but it's nowhere near as cool because it's all like a bunch of random slow motion shots and it's like it has her in camo but doesn't show her actually getting there and then it's it's just so badly remade of such a cool scene it's like probably my favorite scene in the film and the original one but it's it's so funny to see her running off that building i really wish we'd seen this one together i do too i really i almost like next time we hang out i almost just want to watch it just for fun it's it's so bad (laughs) oh it's I want to be able to tear this apart with you because I know you and I are going to be able to just like just rip it to shreds. Like no amount of us having retrospective thoughts about it is going to do the kind of justice we could do to this thing. Right. Uh, it's just we got to find one where where we we plan an episode in the future and we're like, OK, this there's no way we got to we got to watch this one again. Right. And I'm sure that we got we got to find some way of just watching it together online. Oh yeah, I'm sure we could just like get a group thing and like oh, post yeah. it up. That'd be neat. Yeah. Uh <laughs> we'll we'll try doing that sometimes just so we can really get these slots in cuz my yeah. god. And we're and we're all running <laughs> low on our time and I there's so much more I wish I could say that I just I would need to rewatch the movie to get my thoughts back on it cuz so much happened. <laughs> you didn't watch a fourth of it. Like like my god, like there's just so many different things like how there's a bunch of technical jargon that doesn't make sense like there's a scene where it's like he's got a whole bunch of humans that are connected together in his own network, and I was like, "What does that mean? 
<laughs> that means nothing. What you just said means absolutely nothing because he still interacts with the network that you use. What does this network gain him? Is it processing power? It doesn't explain. And then there's another scene where she like does the deep dive thing, which they never do again. Um, which I guess they they do that in the original as well, but it, it has a significant, you know, portion in there, um, where they deep dive into this like corrupted geisha robot, and it even establishes, oh yeah, this thing's been wiped clean. It's like the guy deleted everything, and so I have to ask, what the fuck was she diving into then? Where did she get all of this information? She's <laughs> delving her brain into this thing that's supposedly wiped clean. What the fuck? And he's still got a connection to it, so he's still like saw her for the first time like the, the kuze character what the fuck is happening none of this means anything so, i hate this so much i hate this movie before we get into suggestions yeah say something nice about the remake and i'll say something nice about the remake and we'll leave it at that i thought the for as dull as they could be the visual effects and makeup and costume designs really on on point i really did like how all the characters looked they didn't go like too above and beyond like trying to make it look like crazy ridiculous futuristic which a lot of movies tend to do like it still did have the more restrained look of the original which i at least liked that much the only times when it like got way too out there were like the like the city itself with like the billboards and the holograms and everything i thought otherwise the style was very nicely restrained in a way that ma- makes it feel at least somewhat more realistic. And I also like the makeup and everything for like Bato. Like I think a lot of people gave them crap for how Bato looked in this one. I thought it was like, no, this actually looks very cool. Like his, like his um tactical, like um, cyber eyes and everything. Yeah. I thought that was very well done. All right. Mm-hmm. So I I, just, this thing kind of lives and dies on its visuals and at least had sort of decent visuals. I was literally only going to bring up visuals. Yeah. Yep. I was going to say it looks nice. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say it lives and dies on its visuals. It lives and dies on its fucking plot. <laughs> it lives and dies on its acting. The visuals, it, dies and, it dies and dies. Yeah. The, the visuals are at least some, you know, some sprinkles on top of this turd Sunday. Uh, specifically, uh, the deep dive into the geisha for as stupid as it is. Uh-huh. This is weird because I thought it looked stupid, like the deep dive itself. She's like falling into the face. Yeah, I thought that looked really stupid, but I I thought it looked cool. Does that make sense? Yeah, like I gotcha. looking looking at it for what it was, like what was she was like, doing inside the brain and every, in, inside of it and everything. Like just looking at the visuals, I was like, this looks cool. But like realizing what was happening, she's like falling into the face. I was like, this is this just. It looks cool, but it looks really, really stupid, too. Yeah, it, it so, definitely did. I thought yeah. that was cool and ridiculous. Yeah, uh, which, you know, you get right down to it, that's the most you can ask for. <laughs> that's all I want. <laughs> yeah, I just... I mean, I pretty much said my piece on it, and like and like I said, for, you know, recommendations, um, Ex Machina <laughs> with... Um, Oscar Isaac and uh, Donald Gleason, and the actress whose name escapes me, but great film, like tiny knit cast and everything, and it's just the visuals are stunning. It's a really good modern um, technological piece. And then I had one 
other one and i've already sung the praises of westworld so i'm not gonna anymore because like that's it's a good example and i've already talked about it before so i will i'll leave that one off um there was one more it was um what was it i wanted to say it was another animated picture but I, it escapes me now but if you had oh anything. i definitely have i definitely have a suggestion and it's animated so oh, it might be the same one <laughs> it probably is yeah. um so this definitely isn't connected uh by way of pl- any sort of plot similarities or ai talk like ex machina is but in terms of like post-apocalyptic cyberpunk the mm-hmm. designs of everything the animation check out akira like seriously oh yeah yeah exactly akira is a great movie uh it was the first animated feature ever in criterion everyone loves it because everyone knows it's good and we'll be doing an episode on it in the future if that remake ever comes out yeah so and you know it's widely considered to be the first true cyberpunk film which like you know makes sense it's right it is a staple of the you know sci-fi genre and of the dystopia genre for sure yeah so it's it is a masterpiece you know nothing nothing short about it i don't Ex know if Machina I, and akira would Go you out. call would you call ghost in the, the original ghost in the shell a masterpiece a lot of people know. consider i don't know it about that i yeah. think it's really good i don't know if i would say it's a masterpiece though yeah and like it's it is very iconic and I think it's very, you know, unique in what it is. But yeah, I don't know if I'd call it a masterpiece. I definitely think we've seen better films, at least in this show. Yeah, it is. It, I, I I will say though, it is up there. Yeah, I mean, technically, I don't know about you, but I've seen worse than than the Ghost in the Shell remake too. Like, I mm-hmm. think it's really stupid, and I I literally hate it. Yeah, but it doesn't make me. Okay, the lights on the street make me angry, but the yeah. film as a whole doesn't make me angry like The Departed did. So, yeah, I mean that's already a plus for it. It was just dull is, and stupid. When you get right, yeah, when you get right down to it, the we hate the Ghost in the Shell because it's just like it's just a bad film, and that's the most you can get right down to it. There are some parts that are just straight up immoral, like with the like the straight obviously immoral bit of like the whitewashing, which that's there's there's so much to be said about that, but that's a whole other thing. And then compare that to like The Departed, where it's like, by all rights, this should be a quality film, but it isn't. And everyone else thinks it is. And that's what makes us angry. Yeah, that's really frustrating. Yeah. So, you know, I I personally, I think, I still hate The Departed, but I definitely think, <laughs> I definitely think I do think okay. I hate, I, I, I definitely think I hate Ghost in the Shell just a little bit more, if only because I'm just like, God, I like. At least with The Departed, I could be. I, my main thing whenever I'm in a film is I always try to have a moment where I'm like, I look at something or something happens or there's a piece of acting where I think that was cool. I like that. That was an interesting moment. The Departed had a few of those for me. It had like Jack Nicholson with certain lines or certain scenes where at least action packed enough or interesting enough or creative enough where I was like, yeah, that's a cool moment. I did not have any moments like that in Ghost in the Shell in the remake. There was not a single point where I was like, this is a cool concept that they have introduced. Everything in it was either something I had seen before and done better in the original or in another movie or otherwise was just boring. And so I was like, I can't recommend this at all. (laughs) I could at least recommend The Departed for a few key scenes. That is the most I'll do it for. 
I I understand. Yeah. So this <laughs> one is my shit list. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even we're not even gonna talk about which one we like more. That's that's the yeah. most obvious I think it's ever been. So Yeah, it's like I started uh, this thing saying what which one I preferred. With the opening. We we have a few coming up that'll hopefully be a bit more a bit harder, but I I don't yeah. know. What price Hollywood and A Star is Born? We definitely we had our favorite, but at least we didn't hate one. It, I feel like oh, yeah. a lot of the ones we've done recently, we have one we really dislike. So yeah, the, it seems like more and more with a lot of at least modern remakes that tends to be the case. It's like yeah, it it, it there really is just like okay, I shouldn't say modern. I should say the ones we've all hated the most have been movies that have translated across cultures: Karate Kid, The Departed. And now this, every single one we have not liked the remake because it is. You know what? That's a good point. It has gone even in the Karate Kid's case, where it was actually the opposite direction, where it went from an American film to a Chinese film. It still had a big cultural shift that was not good for the quality. It's just like there's just something, and that's the whole point of the show that we examine. There is something so inherent about the culture behind a movie that makes it or breaks it. it. Whenever you get translated over to another prop to another, you know, country or localization, it never brings everything with it. And it almost always is worse for as a result. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree. I think even day of the Jackal to an extent yeah. has that too. It, it's not as far removed, but I'm pretty sure it's a British production. Yeah. I mean, it at it's, least has a European. At least has the benefit of the shift from Europe to America isn't too harsh since American culture is based off European culture, but it is still there, obviously. it's Yeah, it's still there because it comes to America and we yeah. heavily actionify it. Yeah, exactly. So. There's a lot of subtle things in you know, more European film that we that American culture isn't really big on. Yeah. So it's just every single time... It's been a culture shift. That's what we've hated. <laughs> Those have been the biggest ones that we have hated every single time. Now I'm really looking forward to that Akira remake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be crazy. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Where was I? Oh, yes. I hadn't even started yet. Uh, <laughs> Where was I? Oh, yeah. The beginning. <laughs> So it remade on Twitter. They remade it at gmail.com. Uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Podbay, Podomatic, iHeartRadio. Our host is Anchor. Uh, if you want to like, review, subscribe, do whatever, iTunes reviews would be the most helpful. And uh, that'll get us out the, there. Yeah, and then the uh, they remade it uh, website is up, and it has like links to everything. So yeah, that's it. You know the deal. You've been here, I'm sure. Or just, yeah. you know, Google us. I'm sure you'll find us. One way mm-hmm. or the other. I'm sure you have been here. Like, why would Ghost in the Shell be your first? <laughs> exactly. Maybe because you like it. Yeah, it's a big name. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. All right, well. As always, that's... I'm your cybernetic host, Stuart. <laughs> and I'm hanging out with a fl- flock of rabid dogs, Jacob. <laughs> Have a good night. (laughs) Bye.
see everything. All of your thoughts, your decisions. I guess privacy is just for humans. You are human. People see you as human. Everyone around me seems to fit. They seem connected to something, something I'm not. 